This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Ensure your next purchase is a real deal and shop authentic handbags, watches, sneakers, streetwear and jewellery from eBay, backed by Authenticity Guarantee. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hey there, listeners, future callers and cooking enthusiasts. This is Dinner SOS, the show where we help you save dinner or whatever else you're cooking. I'm Chris Morocco, food director of Bon Appetit and Epicurious. Last weekend, food editor Shilpa Skokovic and I took Dinner SOS to the live stage in Toronto at the Hot Docs Podcast Festival. And we had two amazing guests join us, Suresh Das and Eden Grinchpan. Suresh is a beloved food writer in Toronto. He knows the history and the food of the city like no one else. And he took us on a couple different food tours on the days we were there. We went to places like Beast Pizza, we went to Sonny's Chinese, we went to Mimi Chinese, we went to Mama June for Armenian pizza, we went to Kunafa's for Kenefe, and honestly, uh, quite a bit more than that. It was a wild 48 hours, and I was so grateful to have the experience of being able to see the city through his eyes. And Eden is an incredible cookbook author and host of Top Chef Canada. She writes a mean cookbook, but because of all the experience she's had on TV, she was so great to engage with our audience. She really is a, a culinary thinker and somebody who's able to think so quickly on her feet and answer listener questions with a host of culinary tips and tricks. It was a joy to be there on stage with everyone together. For this Toronto audience, we dove into the nuances of Toronto's food scene and answered audience questions. We hope you enjoy the show. Suresh, we have been eating together for the last 26 hours. Yep, yep. Were you like punking me? Like, no, no. The um, number of places you brought me to? Okay, so just to expand on that. Um, so we did three dinners last night. Um, I counted the dishes, so we went to Beast Pizza. We had four snacks and a pizza there. And then we went to Sonny's, um, and we had nine, not snacks, like bigger plates. And then we went to Prime Seafood Palace, and we had 14 plates. Um, so anyway, over to you. How, how do you feel? And that was like day one. <laughs> yeah, we haven't even started on day two. Mm -hmm, Let's yes. just say every tourist needs a serrash in their life. Like, we had an insider experience, thanks to you. Now, you mentioned yesterday that a lot of people who take your culinary tours are not local. Is it because that Toronto, like, already knows, like, how great its food scene is? Um, no, I think it's because when people are traveling to Toronto for a long weekend, they probably don't have a car, and they probably have somehow come across me, I don't know how, probably through Instagram, because my tours are not really listed anywhere. Well, the New York Times. Um, besides no, that, sorry. No, that, this year, that's a, that's a new thing. That's a new thing. 
That's a new thing. Um, Not the subtle flex. Um, yeah, sorry. But yeah, so they, the, the idea is they want to be in a car with me to leave the city because they want some sort of hand-holding. They want to experience this, the, the most multicultural city in the world that they've heard of. So it is, I would say 80% of the people that I take on tours are people that are traveling from somewhere else. 90% of them are, are cooks or chefs now, which is insane because they are amazing eaters like you guys and I can break their stomachs. Wow. You know what I appreciated most about going out with you? He's an excellent wrangler. Like he keeps us in check. Oh. He's like, you know what? You have another minute to get all your last bites in. Do it now or never. It was great. I mean, you're operating, if you're on a tour, you're operating on my time. And as, as I said to you, you don't want to interrupt the natural flow of things in the community that you're in. So if we're going on a tour and we're going into a very small, like, Chinese barbecue place, you don't want to upset the locals that cherish that place because that place is for the community, by the community. So I don't want to, I don't want to affect that. I want us to go and get out. Right. On that note, at what point do you actively engage perhaps like with the owners or the chef of the restaurant? Like at what point do you sort of say, hey, you know, by the way, I'm Suresh. You might know me from my New York Times thing. But, you know, um, and, you know, I'd like to start bringing people here. It depends. If it's a really small place um, like, like New Kalyani today, um, I know the rhythm of the place that I don't need to tell them because I want you to have a real experience like I would. If, to be completely honest, if I tell a cook that we're coming, they tend to elaborate in terms of the presentation and the courses. And that can give you um, a misrepresentation of the, the experience there. I'd rather it be real. Suresh, what is the place of kind of traditional food media in terms of like food reporting as vis-a-vis -vis like, you know, as opposed to like influencers? Like, do you still feel like there's a place for sort of traditional food media in terms of reporting on restaurants? Trying to get me canceled. Okay, what? Like, Sorry, I was like, do I ask it? Do I not ask um, it? The state of food media sucks in the city. Um, and it's not a state of being the food well, media, I mean, but okay. Volunteered that. I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's a state of media in general. It's like it's a dying um, art form. And even journalism is dying like a very, very quick death in this country. But food media, there's just so few of us left. Like, I consider myself at this point a dinosaur. I've been doing this for 20 years now as of September, which is insane to think about. But I just wonder, it's like once I leave what I'm doing, I don't know who's going to take up the post behind me because now the focus is, if the focus is on, you know, Instagram reels and TikToks, which doesn't really, I don't think it paints a, an honest picture of a city's food scene because I, I'm just so sick of the, here are, here are five places that me and my date are going to go to on Queen West. I'm just so sick of seeing that, um, that reel and TikTok personally, this is just my opinion, because it doesn't give me more context to why these places were picked instead of the glossiness of it. But there's no story behind the owner, the story of like why this place exists in this part of the city. What is the, the why, the why, the why? Yeah. Well, um, before we get ourselves into too much more trouble, <laughs> I think let's start answering some questions from our audience. And in order to do that, Let's get Eden Grinchpan up on stage with us. She's the author of the cookbook, Eating Out Loud, Bold Middle Eastern Flavors for All Day, Every Day, and host of Top Chef Canada. Welcome, Eden. I can't believe I didn't just trip. I was waiting. I was for waiting that. for your Jennifer Lawrence yeah. moment. But. Me too. Me too. It wasn't going to be glamorous. All right. We'll begin with Mary Ann. Mary Ann writes, I'm an airline pilot. 
I love my job and look forward to going to work, but as you can imagine, eating fresh and healthy food does have its challenges. My request is for more meal prep items that can last to day three or even day four of a trip and to be healthy. My second piece of luggage is a great flight bag with a large cooler, so that helps as not every hotel has a fridge, not every fridge has a freezer. Charcuterie is my go-to day three lunch. <laughs> I don't know. Shilpa and I like violently disagreed over whether we wanted this person flying our plane or not flying our plane. I said yes. Well, <laughs> I agree. This, yes. If I had seen this picture, yeah. I would have said yes. But imagining eating so-called fresh food on day three and the pilot flying that, I don't know about that. She has a cooler. She has a cooler. She has a cooler. This she has the ability to keep a cooler. food cold for days. Fresh food, though. I don't Fresh food. But, okay, well, imagine she's, like, meal prepped or, you know, kind of set herself up for success. Okay. What's she putting in the cooler, Shilpa? I hope nothing fresh. Why? <laughs> what? She, there what, are ice what is packs fresh and stuff in there. What is fresh that stays fresh for three days? Marinate some beans. I'm saying, like, don't, like, put together your salad, but, like, have, yeah. like, the kale hand-torn. Yeah, I was actually going to say, I think it's about investing in some, like, legit Tupperware and then don't like don't put it all together keep everything separate you separate. know for me like when you travel you obviously want to eat healthy and if you have the ability to have a cooler with you you can like cook some grains you can roast some veg you can make a couple different condiments so you can switch it out and just mix it together and then yep. when you're about to eat you can like mix and match right make not your own bowls flying, on the go but some other time yes. yeah why not just don't like don't mix it, you know, obviously at the beginning. Keep sure. everything separate. Okay. And then you sense. can just kind of like pick. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's I what think I was my answer thinking. was just going to be cherry tomatoes. Pack a cooler <laughs> full of cherry tomatoes. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. First, you, you refrigerate your tomatoes? Well, oh, no. Oh, <laughs> I'm no, fired from my job. No, 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 even yeah. I know that. Well, the situation is dire. Okay. We're in a cockpit with a cooler. Like we don't have, we're running out of choices here. Or olives, <laughs> just live off olives. <laughs> olives. I saw the They're green and healthy. Yeah, That's yeah true. <laughs> the olives are there. Um, uh, yeah, no, it's it's tricky one, but I really think it's about how you store the food. I feel That's like really what it's about. A kale salad can last for a few days. I was thinking of Sarah Jampel's like actually gets better lentil salad. Mm. You know, like a grain or pulse dressed. It's only going to get better. I mean, up to a point. Yeah, I was going to say. And then it reaches the point and you're just there and then, with it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's gone. All right. Fair. Okay. Um, next for question number two, we have a voicemail from a listener named Alex. Can we play the voicemail, please? Hi, Chris and the Dinner SOS team. My name is Alex. I am 29 and I live in Victoria, BC, Canada. I have a dinner emergency question relating to a very fun theme party that we're hosting. It's a murder mystery that my partner and I are going to be hosting. And my question is about creating a menu that is cohesive and on theme. The murder mystery is a nautical theme. We live pretty close to the ocean here in Victoria. So we've chosen to host uh, a party that is on a boat. So. We're hoping to create a dinner that can feed 15 people. It must be able to be made ahead of time because as host, I have a lot of things to manage other than food uh, during the festivities. The people who will be attending are both vegetarian and not vegetarian, so would love options for both of them. 
And it has to be on this nautical theme. Thanks so much and talk soon. That's not difficult at all. I'm not all. taking this, by the way. Just letting you know. <laughs> <laughs> you can't punt on the hard ones. <laughs> well, okay, so does she, is she cooking on the boat? I, okay. I say she's cooking. She, I don't think you're cooking off boat. You're and then cooking off going the boat, on boat. And then you're letting no, you're things not. in the cooler that our previous caller had. <laughs> yes. No one's cooking on the boat. <laughs> it's a boat that can hold 15 people. Okay. It mean I think it has there's a, a galley. That's like what us boat people, you know, okay. call the kitchen. Okay. Chris, I want to hear what where do you go with this? Oh gosh. I, I mean, I think, okay, well, it's make ahead, right? And you want something that can be done in its entirety. And let's assume it's like around now, seasonal, what you know, season-wise. Like I'm thinking it's a braise, you know, but I think it's gotta be something that's like either you know, kind of like vegetarian, like mixed with some other kind of like meat dish on the mm-hmm. side. Mm-hmm. I'm also thinking like pav bhaji. I'm thinking oh, of like your recipe. That could be fun. You yes. know, like something simple that you could do ahead, yeah. like a, you know. And you can hold it in a slow cooker. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I was going to say sloppy joes. Hello. Okay. Like vegetarian yeah. sloppy joes. Just... I like that you went there. Yeah. Because I feel, she said murder mystery. It feels sufficiently... Mysterious. Is it nautical? Is it nautical? <laughs> that was yeah, that I, I part threw me. Yes, the nautical theme. I, I just pretended like I didn't hear that bit. Yeah, um, I'm trying to pretend I didn't hear it. I'm like, this is really affecting everything I'm about to suggest. <laughs> what were you about to suggest? Honestly, like in my mind, I think I I went for the obvious, like you know, seafood tower. Like just get all of mm-hmm. this, like you know, beautifully cooked or raw seafood. Stack it up. I think it's more about presentation than mm-hmm. it would be like cook ahead. But I also like, Victoria BC Dungeness crab. You have lobster. Yeah, you have all like, kinds of crab clams. Get it out yeah, there. Totally you know. Like and also, it's like yes, you're hosting 15 people, but like you know, if it's a murder mystery, are we sitting down and having like a proper meal, or are we like snacking and like running for our lives? That's kind of the vibe, I think. So it's like finger food, snacky. I have some like like a beautiful crudite, gorgeous dips, you know, some like beautiful breads and like a seafood tower. It's presentation. Right? I think wow. it's presentation and then like cocktails. <laughs> Murder mystery. <laughs> you know, champagne. Okay, cool. <laughs> That's also, also why are we great. not invited to this murder mystery? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll tackle more listener questions. Hi there. I'm Deb Perlman, creator and mastermind behind Smitten Kitchen and the author of three cookbooks. And I'm Kenji Lopez-Alt. You might know me from Serious Eats, The Food Lab, and The Walk. We're both professional home cooks, which means that we create and test recipes, obsessing over them until they're just right. And on our new podcast, The Recipe with Kenji and Deb, we'll share our techniques and ingredients so that you can learn everything you need to create your own perfect recipes. From Radiotopia, from PRX. It's The Recipe with Kenji and Deb. Out now on your favorite podcast platform. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, 
and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Welcome back to Dinner SOS. All right, from Paige, if you could offer someone one tip to delight guests at a dinner party, what would it be? I how have do we one. How, well, how do you interpret that? One you probably didn't even be- invite them in the first place. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> they don't need to know that. Nobody else needs to know that I'm antisocial. I'm here, aren't I? Um, okay, I'm going to take this one right away because my tip is use real linens. Use real napkins. That's it. Doesn't matter what you're serving, what you're putting up. But people love to see a real napkin. That is so true. Like you're actually putting energy and effort and you're really like putting, you know, putting it together. Um, I would say I do believe the decor aspect um, is definitely a huge part of it. And having like, you know, something out on the table to nosh on while you're waiting for your meal. I think like a charcuterie board or like, you know, um, wine ready to pour just to have that set up. Uh, so that you're taken care of the second you walk in. And music. It's a, but I, like my initial reaction was like, Paige, you don't have to try to delight anybody. You know, just be yourself. Like, who are you trying Should to impress? Should I take you back to our But then I chef. reconsidered. No, because I think what you said about the linens is actually really true. Um, I, I, we were over at our friend uh, Dabney's house the other night, and she lives in this tiny apartment, and she had eight people, right? But like she had linens. She had all these candles. Freaking candles. Candles everywhere you know and it like created this feeling of intimacy and just like so special but yeah but anyway Paige I hope that helps (laughs) (laughs) um all right from Gus I'm a very confident cook with proteins and sauces and can generally accompany a starch that is a good vehicle for the sauce that I make but I never get a big pop or wow with the vegetable I'm not asking for the vegetable to overtake these, but I would like something that has a little sizzle of its own. I, you know, I cook a lot of uh, veg-forward meals. And I actually feel like so much of it has to do with just mastering specific techniques and also branching out and learning more about different vegetables. And um, I think it's really, you know, once you learn how to properly roast, to be able to caramelize and get that gorgeous, like just flavor and richness out of all your vegetables, how to braise. Like I really like to treat my vegetables like a animal protein. You know, if you give it the love and attention, it will shine. Also, I think layering uh, condiments, textures, um, just finding different ways to actually elevate that particular vegetable again. And I really think it has to do with just like making sure that you give it that time and attention Truly, I actually think some of my vegetable dishes are more exciting than a lot of my, um, you know, main proteins. Yes, I saw the za'atar potatoes on your feet and the fennel braise with the chickpeas. Num num. Yeah, that looked really good. Yeah. I agree with you. I think it's about treating vegetables like meat, giving it a really hard sear. I'm thinking of... um, What are you thinking? I'm thinking of Jesse's um, cabbage that's going to come up in our Thanksgiving issue 
So Jesse is the food editor at Epicurious, and he is a blessing. Um, And he developed this dish, and he cuts up a head of the boy cabbage, roasts it, and then he finishes it with this cheesy, like, lemony uh, bechamel. Yeah, and I think part of it, like you're saying, I think that's, like, so smart, like, giving your vegetables the same consideration, you know, I mean, clearly this is somebody who's, like, thinking a lot about their proteins, and I'm not necessarily assuming that of, like, everybody, right? But, like, if you put the same level of attention... Um, an intention into it, like it really, like they can be transformed, but I think you need to move them a little bit more to the center of the plate, you know? You know, back in the days, especially when we had Healthy, which, which was sort of this sub-brand that uh, we sort of folded into the BA.com digital experience. Um, sorry to get all technical on you. Um, but like, <laughs> I, miss you know, I miss healthy-ish. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like, it was, it was a vibe, you know? And sometimes we do these like thought exercises in terms of like, how do you take a head of broccoli or like a head of Savoy cabbage and literally make it as delicious as it can be, but without resorting to like anything too crazy or theatrical, right? So I remember like I did stuff like, you know, big flavor broccoli, which is just like sort of cloak it in like anchovy garlic paste, roast it with tons of olive oil, you know, throw some like red onion in there, you know, and call it a day. Like there was like all these things like Andy's make a head. Caramelized cabbage. Caramelized cabbage, yeah. Yeah. Which is like, again, it's like almost like an answer to the question, like how do you make cabbage as like delicious as it possibly can be, you know? Yeah, I I agree. And it's like, you know, those secret ingredients that you use for like, you know, so many of our favorite dishes, like, you know, even just a puttanesca or you, you said anchovies, like use capers and anchovies and Parmesan and all those like really beautiful, like strong, uh, salty, briny, umami flavors and and just like incorporated into a lot of those uh, vegetable dishes. And it's incredible to see like they, yeah. they take it on really, really well. Yeah. Next question is from Gemma. What do you recommend as a palate cleanser between courses or after a heavy meal? Suresh is like, you just eat another meal. <laughs> <laughs> you just You just keep going. <laughs> You don't we stop. Just keep going. Yeah, we just don't stop. There's no palate cleanser. The palate, no palate cleanser is the, the walk or the ride or the or the bottle of water in your car. Yeah. I've lately been into peppermint spearmint tea. Um, so not a palate cleanser between, but right after it really hits the spot. Spearmint. Spearmint, as not to peppermint. peppermint. Not peppermint. No, no. no. What are you Spe- talking about? Spearmint. spearmint? Okay, here's is, the thing. Wait, this is in between meals. Yeah, like was, to to like it's a palate cleanse in between like your dishes. No, no it's certainly not. But this I, is at the isn't end. Isn't that part of the question? Too, well, yeah, it could you be could, at the end. Okay, at the end of be a at heavy the end. Meal. So this is certainly something at the end. Okay, from Julia. Hi, hi. Um, I am wondering what your go-to dinner party meal is. Where where you cook with your guests in the kitchen? Where you cook? Is the question like where where are your guests like while you're cooking? Do you want them in there or do you not want them in there? No, like when your guests are in the kitchen. Oh. While they're watching you. They're like. You can also kind of talk but cook. Oh, geez. I still can't do that. I can't do that. <laughs> I cannot. I find that it's inevitable. Whenever I host a dinner party, everyone's just around the island. In and the it's kitchen. Like, okay, so True. What, what I tend to do is we always tend to do oysters and just like assign the couples to Handle the oysters, so we kind like of like open oysters. Yeah, you give yeah. them the knives and say. Yeah, well, I, I can't think of a single friend in my circle that is not confident enough to open an oyster. Oh, I can one hundred percent tell you, like, and I'm saying that while a couple of them oysters. are in this room right now, <laughs> and I know that they can't. But anyway, results I'm not be... guaranteed here. 
Well, in our circle, no. Like, no, no. No, give them a towel and you just show, it's fine, it's okay, it's okay. What's, what's the worst that can Are happen? Are they drinking okay. like vodka martinis while they do this? No, it's, or it's too early. They're, okay. they're having some Prosecco or something. But I feel like at least that way you can kind of like just contain them in one area because otherwise they're just like <laughs> following you around from fridge to stove. Like, we're all just like, trying to figure out how to open this oyster yeah. for like... <laughs> Hours. He's like, they're not paying attention. I can cook. <laughs> Let me finish doing Just my go dishes. To the corner yeah. with this knife. <laughs> Nobody wants to sit down. They want to be by. They want to be near you. They want to be hovering over you and looking into the pot. So, sign them something. You, you know what you can do? Pasta. I was actually going to say, like, very you, easy. It's go-to. like there's a little bit of theater to it. You can prep your sauce ahead of time. All you really need to do is drop the pasta into the water, pull it out. But it's the building of like the pasta and sauce, the way they come together with a little pasta cooking liquid, maybe a knob or two of butter. There's like a lot, you know, it's like you can be like bringing it over, you know, swish, swish, swish. What What is the sound effect that goes with that? I'm not sure. Uh, I don't. Yeah. I was gonna do it, but yeah. then I was like, "That's a bad." You know, idea. No, no, <laughs> not a good sound. It's, oh. No, it's, yeah, it's, the actual sound is that would actually be horrifying to hear me. But reproduce. it's sexy, and you know what? It Pasta shows that you have the skill in the kitchen and the confidence. And the truth is, I agree with that whole like you can prep ahead the sauce. All you have to do is like make sure you don't overcook your pasta, which you know we're hopefully not. But um, I was going to say even like vongole, you know, spaghetti alla vongole. That's also like a really quick, easy one to come together. And if you don't have a sauce like made ahead, you can make like cacio e pepe. Mm-hmm. All about like making sure everything is like stocked in your fridge. And like and just tangible. ready to go. Yeah. You know, you don't want to have to navigate around people, you know, like just pull everything you need. And like a nice fresh arugula salad, you know, just like easy assemble. Because you don't want to be like, you know, working with like a mandolin and like chatting away. Like, <laughs> like you're like, you know, you like, obviously you want to impress, but you also don't want to like, you know. Not give oysters. Give, give your friends. I would not trust any of my friends with a mandolin. That, that's for sure. But with but an oyster. He's got limits. <laughs> yeah, no problem with oysters. Um, anything from you? I was going to say tacos. Tacos? Make them pick like cilantro. Or ice the onions down, or get someone to I don't know toast the tortillas. Like on the flame? On the f- come on, somebody is like shucking oysters. They can handle a flame. Yes, I agree <laughs> with that. Yeah. That is actually something you can give a guest to do. You know, on the stove. Yeah, but like yeah, them. you can braise the meat ahead. Yeah, and then you can just assemble like together and have your guests like you know chip in. They're making it with you. I don't trust anybody with the tortillas. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. This is from Marzana. I cook with tofu a lot, but sometimes I get bored with the texture. Is it possible to cook tofu to get it a bit crispy? Absolutely. I feel like this was tailor-made no. for you. This, this is was, for you. No, I, no. Want, I need you to take it because I think you're the tofu king. I'm not. Yes, you are. I mean, thank you, but I'm not. Isn't it you with the grated tofu? Oh, but that's Come not on. getting crispy. Still, it's a different way of cooking tofu. Well, lead with that and then lead us into crispy tofu. Come on, you can do it. Oh, if you're talking about, you know, like a pressed style of tofu, I think, you know, A, like you need starch on it. Number one, if you're just looking to sear it, like knock it around in a pan, plenty of fat, you need starch. Like you need cornstarch, potato starch, you know, AP flour, something like that. But you don't need to press it, I don't think. No. Don't yes. press your that, tofu. That, I don't know that why we've been thing, fed we, this fallacy. Yeah. 
Yeah. And we're probably part of the problem for a while. Oh, okay. but I feel like we just kind of set the record straight, like as a brand. Were you like, pressing a lot of tofu? We were pressing our tofu. Oh, you yeah. guys weren't pressing your tofu. I, up here? I wasn't pressing the tofu. You but, weren't. But tell me, I well, want to hear like in all an about effort the- to like you know get rid of excess moisture. There was this thinking that like press styles of tofu, you know, I think like there was this feeling, oh, well, you need to control moisture every you know step. And that meant pressing it and expelling moisture from it. But the fact is, like, it just made it drier, you know? It made it less custardy inside. I think it's, the, as you said, it's the cornstarch that's instrumental to the texture. Yeah, and sometimes, so I mean, if you if you can be bothered to, like, deep fry it, you know, like, like starch it, dredge it, and then deep fry it. I think it's we like can all be magic. bothered to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is the way to go. But we were referring to, like, you know, like, grating the tofu. Mm-hmm. I was talking about that dish of yours. That was yeah. so good. We did, yeah, I did one where it was like we, I grated the tofu on a box grater, just like shredded it apart and then treated it more like ground meat and just like, you know, just, just cooked it out like crazy. I thought that was brilliant. And then ultimately, you know, kind of built up a little sauce, like a little kind of like a soy. Yeah. Mirin, scallions, a scallion. lot of scallions in there. And it doesn't get like crispy, crispy, but it takes on more of like, you know, the kind of like sloppy Joe, exactly. like crispy in bits. And it, at mm-hmm. least it's different if you're looking it's to. It's very different. It's very yeah. unexpected because we always see tofu just cut up in chunks or, you know, tossed in something. But this one, it blew my mind. I think it was great. The tofu king. I'm going to follow You are the tofu away. king. <laughs> I love wow. that we've brought up Sloppy Joe's twice tonight. <laughs> I'm sorry. Maybe. I just like picked that up. Are, I feel are like, we hungry again? Are we ready? For, <laughs> where where do we get Sloppy Sorry. Joe's? <laughs> We're going to take another quick break. Stick around for more answers to your listener questions. From the creators of Who Smarted Starglow Media comes a brand new podcast called Mysteries About True Histories. Uh, does that sound serious enough? Uh, Max, we only have 30 seconds for this promo. Just tell them how your mysterious aunt recruited us into a secret order of problem solvers who travel time and have epic adventures. I don't have to. You just did. Catch new episodes of Mysteries About True Histories every Thursday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we're back. From Brian, I feel terrible throwing away sourdough starter so often when I feed my starter. What can I do with all the excess starter? Making bread that often isn't always an option. Yeah, this is like, I stopped doing sourdough. I felt like nobody would eat my discard pancakes. (laughs) Nobody would eat my like sourdough discard waffles. It was like, you know, the the dark times of the pandemic when I was like... I threw my sourdough out six months into the pandemic. I'm like, yeah, no, no, just... I'm done. Done. Yeah. It's a commitment. Shelpa, I'm looking directly at you and I'm waiting for you to answer I have this answers. question. I have answers. Thank you. Um, okay, I have to say, I used to make these um, sourdough crumpets and fantastic. Uh, two resources that I love. Um, I, I know her by the Instagram name, Martha DeLacy. She is a British food writer. And she used to have these amazing pop-ups and dinners in her home, and she was obsessed with sourdough, and she had these classes. And, of course, making as much sourdough as she did, she would always find ways to creatively use the sourdough discard. And her recipe for sourdough crumpets, Do, do people know what a crumpet 
is oh. here. I would say like in America they I, wouldn't. This is but maybe I, yeah, yeah this is no, we, we, we oh. know a crumpet. Oh, okay, oh, great, all right, great. cool. Thanks. Oh, so yeah. I was like, I oh my god, <laughs> great. But she, it was it was so easy. Sourdough, discard a little bit of baking soda, and then you you know you could use a ring, but you could also just use a small like skillet, pour the batter in, which is like puff up, lots of bubbles, amazing, absolutely amazing. That's a great one. And there's another resource, um, Rose Hill sourdough. And he has this little booklet. It's so it's so fun because you just download it. It, it feels very old school and very insider. Um, but you pay like $20 and then you can download um, a little booklet of recipes that he updates periodically. And there are a lot of recipes with sourdough discard in there. His recipe for sourdough waffles, fantastic. You can see through them because they're like lacy. They're crispy. They're buttery. They're everything a waffle promises to be but never is. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, but Chris, also, I think it's really nice to make bread for your neighbors. Like, we got a lot of bread during the pandemic, and it was like this wonderful, amazing thing. It's a great gift, right? So it's like, if, if you want to make bread, but not for yourself, I think you can gift it. If you want to make Suresh bread. <laughs> I'll take the bread. Absolutely. <laughs> He'll yes. take you on a little food tour in return. <laughs> Laura, um, this one struck a nerve with me. Um, question as old as time. How do I get my kids who basically live on different combinations of carbs and cheese to eat more vegetables and protein. Was this a hard journey for you too? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, I feel like it, every day it changes, but you know, I never stop trying to give my kids what, you know, I'm making for my husband and I, or what I'm recipe testing or cooking. I'm always giving them a bite, having them like, you know, explore, I do find that what helps me um, get my daughter, I'm, I'm talking about my six-year-old, my two-year-old, she's, I have no idea what's going on there. Like, she will not eat anything. I'm like, help. But my six-year-old, like, when she gets involved in the kitchen, um, I find that that makes so much of a difference. You know, when I get her to help me cook, uh, when she gets to, you know, really be a part of the process, she gets excited about you know, the food that we're about to sit down and eat, you know, she takes pride in it. So, but there are definitely obviously days where she is not in the mood. And so I have like, you know, dishes, recipes in my back pocket that I reach for. Like, you know, we do breakfast for dinner all the time. Um, I feel like eggs are just like a classic, um, baby pancakes. My daughter loves a baby pancake. It's about finding, Oh, sorry. Okay. Baby, my husband, guys. My husband's right here. We have a heckler. Um. Um, yeah. So, yeah, baby pancakes, just basically eggs uh, with, like, almond butter, peanut butter. I put almond flour. Um, in? in? Yeah, I mix right up in. just literally bananas, eggs, almond flour, and then some... Mashed banana? Mash it. It's what I gave her when she started eating food when she was a baby. Mm -hmm. So that's what we call them, baby pancakes. And then I make them tiny and she's like, they're babies. Um, but yeah, like it's a, I really feel like this is just like a struggle. Like it's, it is what it is. Kids can just be picky. I, I used to hear that advice about, you know, get your kids involved in the kitchen. And that sounded so horrible to me. I like, I, I like, I, could, I almost like I wouldn't allow that to be the solution because like, honestly, the, the time I'm in the kitchen at home is like one of the few times, like nobody's like usually bothering me, you know, but 
But wait, that's what people aren't bothering you at home with no, your, and you have two kids. No. I'm like amazed. No, no, no. That's like kind of like my time. Oh wow. But it's like if you get them involved, there's like flower flying all over the place. And it's just like it gets so chaotic so quickly, you know? Cat, you know, it's just it's all it's all like happening all at once. But it really but it actually is true. Like it actually it's totally is true. true. And yeah. It's it is completely true. true. Like my husband, so to Go back to the oysters. My husband shucks oysters. Like, I love you so much. It's like the hottest thing ever. <laughs> and while, like, he does it when we want to, like, you know, have a cute date night in, he'll make, like, vodka martinis, shuck oysters. And my daughter, like, she's had an oyster before. She liked it. She had an oyster again because she saw us having it. She was so excited by how excited we were. And she wanted to help make us the oysters. And then she's like, wait, I want one. Then she had one she didn't like. And then she saw us love it again and she wanted to try it again. So I think there's always opportunities to kind of like get them interested and excited about it, even if they haven't always had the best, you know, experience. Obviously, being a parent, like the patience is a huge part of just like being a parent. Um, but kind of like letting go of what you think it should look like in the end and just letting it kind of like become what it is now with them. Embrace the mess. Embrace yeah. the mess embrace that the meat might be overcooked a little bit because they're like, you know, trying to futz with it or whatever. And it really makes a huge difference. I totally agree that Eden, um, exposure is key. I mean, like I have a three-year-old and he, he's in the kitchen every day. He's in the kitchen for breakfast every day. He's in the kitchen for dinner every day. And when he sees something being made and it turns into an activity, so now he's making the pancakes, now he's helping with the dosa, it, he, then he's like, I want to try it. And, and so like, I wanted to get him hooked on uh, vegetables, so I showed him how to like cut carrots with a plastic. He's got his own little kit of knives, so he will cut it, and then he'll like he knows how the carrot turns from this to that, and then we slice potatoes and roast them so they become chips, and that helps him sort of like build a relationship with what he's eating. So now like we make pancakes like three times a week, we make dosas three times a week, we make tortillas once a week, and he loves it. He loves the idea of like rolling out dough putting it, pressing it, taking it out, and now he'll put a carrot in there, roll it, and eat. But it's like we have exposed him from like the moment he could stand in his little uh, helper or whatever thing, um, and it, it helped a lot. Yeah. Um, all right, everyone's going to answer this one quickly, all right? This is from Jessa. Hi, as a, someone who identifies as an egg enthusiast, I would love to know what's your favorite way to cook eggs for breakfast or brunch. For me, it's a lacy edged olive oil fried egg, like not skimping on the oil. Same, very similar. Fried egg, but it has to be cooked through a no runny yolk. And then... Wait, what? Yeah, no, I, ca I can't. Hold on, we're I getting know. bogged down. We were supposed to move quickly, but no runny... You no mean like you want a solid... Is this like a fried just, egg or like an over... Like, sure, I guess medium. over medium. It? Yes. Oh, I don't or want Or you can just flipped. put a lid. You can just put a lid on it and my steam. Egg. Okay. Just, no. So you like a runny yolk? Yeah, what's wrong with a runny yolk? Oh, I, I don't think we have yolk. enough time for that. But um, anyway, sunny side... Well, whatever. Over easy. That's your final answer. No, okay. but you missed the important component. It has to have Thai sweet chili sauce on top. Now we can move on to Suresh. <laughs> so fried egg, lacy on the edges, um, lid on top with a little bit of water to get that sort of like nice sort of little over easy dome and then finish it with chili oil or sambal or whatever else is in the fridge on toast. Wow. That was okay. 
Um, uh, I eat a lot of eggs. Um, probably I'm, you know, I'm just like a simple buttery omelet kind of a girl. Um, like a three egg omelet? Yeah. Like do you roll it? Oh yeah. No, I'm just like layering it, just like slow, like cooking it on like medium, just okay. like not. French style or American diner Like style? rolled or folded? Oh no, we're folding. We're ah. folding it. Yeah. I'm like, th- I'm usually making it for my kids anyways. So I make a big one and then we all kind of just like slice it up and eat it it's just right now we're just trying to get food on the table (laughs) um but yeah i just i love just like like lots of butter i use a lot of like just like salted butter that's on the counter Mm. we're a butter family yeah we love butter um all right so this is going to be our final question we have a voice memo and some photos from a listener named lena beth so if we could roll the memo please My name is Lena Beth, and I have a dinner SOS situation. My partner and I are responsible for the next several months for cooking dinners for his 91-year-old grandfather, who has very different tastes than we do. Um, So we have some schedule constraints, a few dietary constraints on his end, um, and would just love the expertise of Bon Appetit. All right. We have some additional context on this. And there's like a lot of bullet points here. Actually, like a stunning number of bullet points. Um, Needs to be on the table by 6.30, ideally. And bonus points if it's a passive cook so I can work out after work. I mean, that like that's asking for a lot. Um, Jim doesn't like onions or anything too spicy. Too much black pepper has been an issue before. Kieran and I both love onions and spice, so foods that take to spicy condiments well are a plus. We have an ancient crock pot that I've never, read been too scared to use, but I know it works. I've been thinking about breaking it out to let things slow cook through the day, but again, scared. Are we scared of crock pots the way we're scared of pressure cookers? Or well, Hold on, like, can we see a picture of the crock pot and then we'll decide? Uh, uh, that looks... Terrifying? That looks old. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, I love to bake. They are a former professional pastry cook. Whoa. um, But have a hard time. Thickens here. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But have a hard time getting as motivated to cook dinners. We've mostly been serving a protein, something grilled or baked, a carb, usually cornbread, and a salad. Jim is an eat-to-live person, and we're live-to-eat people, so we're always looking for dishes that aren't over the top but don't bore Kieran and me to death. <laughs> this, this is <laughs> Jim's this is favorite episode. Jim's favorite foods are meatloaf, hot dogs, hot dog casserole. Why are you pointing at me? I don't because I just need some like <laughs> affirmation here that it's going to be okay. Shepherd's pie. Pineapple pizza, Thousand Island dressing, wow. tartar sauce. Um, do, do we have a picture of Jim? <laughs> yes. There oh he is. Oh, my God. I love him so much. <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, my I like immediately I'm like soup stews. We need to live in that world. Soup stews, Hot chili. Pies. Yeah. How about chili? I'm like, he likes meat, kind of like rich. I heard cornbread. I'm like, chili! You know, like, I don't know. I feel like a sloppy Joe. A sloppy Joe. <laughs> sloppy Joe's. Jim loves sloppy Joe's. Yeah, well, like, throw that meat in a crock pot and just toss it into, you know, a potato bun, right? Oh, yeah. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. 
feels like a one pot kind of a situation. Sheet yeah. pan, like a sheet tray dinner, a one pot meal, you know, yeah. maybe steam some rice on the side for like a braise. But, you know, I think that that's the only way that they won't have to spend too much time in the kitchen. Just like set it and forget it styles, you know. Like the crock pot. I want to say make ribs in the crock pot. Like so fun. I love a slow cooked rib. Then you take it out and then you like broil it and to get some it. color. Yeah, that could be fun. Okay, Eden, this this is like where my brain goes with this. And, and I'm curious like what you think. So like what I think about often like when it comes to like recipe development is the sort of the frameworks that feel familiar to folks, right? Like meatloaf, it's like, it's a recipe, but it's also like a framework, right? It's like some amount of like um, ground meat, you know, given like panade, like some kind of breadcrumb or other mixture to kind of lighten it, you know, but maybe what Jim needs is to just like, you know, if they could just nudge his meatloaf in a more interesting direction, like give him something that's like packaged in a familiar way, but just sort of rethink some of the flavors just enough hold back on the black pepper, like we, we heard. But like, you know, if he likes Thousand Island dressing, I, I, maybe what he really loves is just creamy dressings and we can just like give a different creamy dressing, give him a little tahini ranch, you know? I was know? say ranch. Give him some ranch, ranch and just like punch ranch, it up, a little miso in there. He doesn't have to know. Final thoughts, Shilpa? Yeah, I'm thinking about, do you remember from our best new restaurants issue, the sweet potatoes with, Oh, with the soft um, cheese, cheese, like yeah, the triple with, cream. Yes, with the. So- I'm thinking, like Ooh. speaking about frameworks. I think that could be something fun. Like you know, you make this. It, this dish is spectacular. We went crazy over it in the test kitchen, but it's slow roasted. So you basically put sweet potatoes still intact. You don't cut them, pierce them in any way, but you put them into an oven for like one to two hours, um, and then you take it out, and they're like almost candied inside because the sugar kind of seeps out, and you can see it caramelizing on the sheet tray. Take it out, split it open, put like a thick thick slab of um, any triple cream cheese, let's say brie. Um, and what makes the dish is you make this um, pumpkin seed dukkha on the side and you put it on top. And it's just everything that you want in a dish, like look, textures, flavors. And why I think, bringing it back to the question, why I think it's great is you could roast the sweet potatoes and give them to Jim. And you can keep them for yourself and top them with the spicy and the cheese. And you have something that everybody's happy with. Love that. Um, Well, look, I'm afraid to say that is it. Um, Thank you, everybody, for taking this journey with us. Eden and Suresh, like, how can people see more of your work? You can follow me on my Instagram at Eden Eats. I'm actually um, rebranding my website, so that's going to be happening very soon. And it's EdenEats.com. It's going to be really great. So just stay tuned for that. Cool. Thank you. Um, for me, it's just uh, CBC Metro Morning every Thursday, uh, 7.45, 99.1. Um, you can Google CBC Suresh Das, and you'll see a map um, to find my stuff. Uh, or Instagram is usually where I'm active. But it's not on the grid. It's always stories. Stay for the stories. <laughs> thank you all. Thank you, Eden. Thank you, Suresh. Thank you for so much thank for you, having us. Shilpa. Oh, no. Total pleasure. And thank all of you. Thank you for all of your questions and um, for being such an amazing audience. Everybody have a great night. Bye. That's it for this very special live episode of Dinner SOS. 
Thanks to Eden, Suresh, and Shilpa for joining me. And shout out to our executive producer, Jordan Bell, and the whole team at Hot Docs for a flawless event. As always, if you have a dinner emergency on your hands, write to us at dinnersos at bonappetit.com or leave us a voice message at 212-286-SOS1. That's 212-286-7071. Next week, we help comedian Maria Bamford get closer to a holy grail recipe and dig deep into her kitchen anxieties. Well, what happens... I see the list of ingredients. Usually there's something I don't have. So let's say it's fresh oregano. And then I just go, what is the point? Hi, friends. I'm Cameron Rogers, mental health advocate, mom of two, content creator, and host of Conversations with Cam. This podcast is dedicated to having honest conversations, prioritizing your well-being, and reminding you that no matter what you're feeling, you are not alone. We'll discuss mental health maintenance, the ups and downs of motherhood, the trials and tribulations of life, and have a lot of fun along the way. Whether you're knee-deep in diapers or just trying to keep your sanity intact, this podcast is for you. Expect laughs, maybe a few tears, and hopefully some breakthroughs along the way. Make sure to subscribe and tune in for new episodes of Conversations with Cam every Wednesday morning.